Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scars, sometimes we try to pretend these scars aren't there. But those are the scars that we should be proud of. Those are the scars that tell our story. Those are the scars that give us strength. Those are the scars that make us the people we are. Now, nobody's perfect, all right? If everybody was perfect, the world would be a very boring place. So nobody, nobody, no matter who you are, should be afraid to stand up in front of the whole world and bear it all. Everything that makes you the person that you are scars it all and say, hey, this is me. So, that being said, I'm sure there are plenty of people somewhere around the world. I'm sure there are plenty of people who want to write me off. I'm sure there are plenty of people who doubt me. And you know what, it won't be the first time, it won't be the last time. But if you want to write me off now, if you want to doubt me, you go ahead and say whatever you want to say. You go ahead and think whatever you want to think. I'll tell you the same thing I would have told that black demon, that cloud hanging over me in my dream. You can take all that shit and shove it right up your ass. I don't run from demons. I just beat the shit out of them. Episode 67, Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable. Google, Apple, and Spotify. You distribute us. Blue Wire Hustle is the platform that executes for us. My name is Jesse Velasquez. Real fast before we get into the meat and potatoes and the guests, of course, there's one guest and a co-host who's back. I'm back. <laughs> Maria is back. That is correct. We want to thank you so much for the month of January. We have had the most downloads that we've ever had as a podcast this month. I attribute it to phenomenal content and incredible guests. We have another incredible guest coming on today. Maria has introduced herself. We have another New Jersey person, Kate Hensler. How you doing? Jersey in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jersey infusion. When we had Gabby Laspisa on two months ago, there was a Jersey infusion and it ended up being a phenomenal show. She's awesome. I can't imagine doing Jersey proud. So I'll take it. <laughs> She's great. I love her. <laughs> I know she is fantastic. And what was she there last night? Did you see her? I didn't cross paths with her. I don't think, I don't know. We were kind of in our lane though. That environment was nuts. So uh, I, I didn't see her, but that doesn't mean she wasn't there. It was a wild sold out crowd. So, 
What she is referring to is something we're going to be talking about topic number two today. Topic one, we always do this with our guests, Kate. What performer and or promotions or storylines are you the most invested in right now as a wrestling fan? Because you cover a lot for Fightful as well as Marked Order podcast. I do. I cover a lot of the WWE side for Fightful and then AEW. We cover Rampage. I cover Rampage with Sean. And then uh, the Mark Order is all things all elite every week. So Right now, man, the performer that's the most interesting to me is just this Brian Danielson run has been so incredible. Like in my heart, I'm a CM Punk gal too. So whatever he's doing, like that's my guy who got me into wrestling. I love it. I love the shirt that Jess has on. It's so great. Um, he's my dude. So I'm, I'm always interested in what he's doing, but this Danielson run has been so incredible to me. And I just, I started watching in 2009. So what I've been telling people is like, I don't think I've seen like a goat wrestler, like a Mount Rushmore technical wrestler in real time in my lifetime. Gresham's hanging right there right now, but like, I didn't see Bret Hart in real time. I didn't see Eddie Guerrero in real time. So it's just so special to me and what he's been able to do both of the matches with Hangman, the match with Kenny, and then like Suzuki and Bowens, like every single match has been so impressive and so different to me. I love that he's using so many different finishers that it makes every match so suspenseful because you think any move can beat someone and he's sincerely a little ass kicker. So like him turning heel before punk was not on my 2022 bingo card, but I didn't really think both of them being an AEW was going to be in my 2022 bingo card. So I guess 2021 technically, but um, it's just been such an exciting run. And I, I love that his heel turn was just this adjustment and perspective. And I think that's something that AEW really excels at is not wiping a whole character clean. It's just like these little, little tweaks. And Eddie Kingston's another guy that I just love. And it's a similar thing with him. It's just like an adjustment and how you choose to book them. So um, that's what has my attention the most right now. And I really have loved this face Brock Lesnar situation. Like it's been my favorite iteration of watching Brock for sure. Um, I feel like the storyline's a little stalled and got a little muddy with Roman not being at uh, the last pay-per-view, but I, I'm excited for the, the payoff for that. Cause it's been just such a fantastic story in wrestling. All topics we're covering today. So Kate, you had just missed Brian Danielson's ring of honor run. 2009, I, I believe he had just signed with the WWE at that point. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. And his matches with obviously Nigel McGuinness being one. I want to say Chris Hero was a part of this. Samoa Joe way back. Incredible masterpieces. Noah with Kenta. I, yeah, the, the he's timeless. Insane. It Absolutely was kind timeless. of the pipe bomb that turned me into ROH and the indies in general. Like I hadn't really explored independent wrestling before the pipe bomb. And so, of course, when you go back and I was like, what is this Ring of Honor thing Punk talked about going back to and these names he's not supposed to be saying on WWE television, right? So in that, you know, you can't go back to virtually any promotion and not see a legendary Danielson run. And I like what he's doing now so much, but like, I thought he did some really great work in WWE as well. I know people are so opinionated because the styles are so different, but it just seems like every promotion he's gone to, he's truly been like one of the best performers in the world at that promotion. So in having just missed it, I immediately went back and did homework after the pipe bomb, which was just two years later. Right. So just on the, just, just overshot it by a couple of years, but um, it, it's funny, like Punk and Danielson both having made those huge like 
a huge return to wrestling and then switching promotions like that, which I truly didn't think that was going to happen. I was like, Danielson will leverage AEW money and then switch into like a producer part-time or role in WWE and that'll be great. But um, it's some of the, his best work in, in my opinion. And it's been like, he's in his forties and he's skinning the cat 58 minutes into a match. Like, what are we doing with our, like, I get winded walking up the stairs with my groceries. Like, what am I doing with my life? So it's just been um, character wise. I feel like um, because he truly is one of the best wrestlers in the world. This gimmick is gimmick. If you can even call it that, like, is, is just so great. Like it's been such a, a fun ride. So absolutely in love with it. Maria, I promise not to put you on the spot. However, I might be doing it here. Do you remember what you said when we talked about Brian Danielson being your performer of the year for AEW last year? For AEW last year? Yes, 2021. He was your performer of the year. Do you remember he, what you said? He put on some of the best matches I've seen. Yes, that is correct. The other thing that Maria said was, does he not look happier right now than he did oh, yeah. the earlier part of 2021? Have you noticed a lot of that, Kate? Just verbatim with Punk, Ruby Soho, Adam Cole even. Have you seen a lot of that moving over to All Elite Wrestling? I think so, and I think it's probably a combination of the schedule being such a lighter situation. So people that do have families, I think it just makes it easier to prioritize that. And the ability to just have a little bit more freedom, and that's... Some in some ways a knock on WWE, but WWE is um is the version of what they are right now. And I, I think if you can accept that, you'll appreciate the product a lot more, that it is more sports entertainment and realistically, like they just have so many stakeholders involved in what they do now. You're not gonna get as raw of a product, which is what their legacy is going to be at the moment. And and if you can sign up for that, that works. It makes it a little bit easier. But I think. I think the criticisms of AEW being maybe too loose in structure are valid, but I think the other side of that is you get so much freedom, right? So I think that's a really walking that line for any wrestling promotion from the indies on up is going to have to make those judgment calls wherever they can. It does seem like people are happier. And I think it's, it probably has to do with freedom when you are an established talent and you do know what you're doing and um, I think that work schedule is something that people maybe are underrating a little bit. You're not going to Saudi Arabia. You're not working house shows in a random gym. Like I think working once a week, lets you kind of go balls to the wall and some more matches or once or twice a week, depending if there's a pay-per-view and only four, uh, pay-per-views a year to work in addition to that. So I, I think if you're a true purist, as far as pro wrestling, that's an environment that I think a lot of these guys will be happier. And Maria and I would definitely consider ourselves purists when it comes to pro wrestling. We talk about that a lot. And I actually really like the point that you made, Kate, about the WWE having to answer to stockholders. Unfortunately, it's not ideal for what we as Maria and I as wrestling fans are kind of accustomed to as opposed to I wonder if they're spinning their wheels because they don't even know what they want to put out there. Is, is it kid friendly? Are we going to go the PG route? Can we try to push the 14 lens? Do you see a little bit of that as well? Oh, it's all over the place. I think in, um, you know, taste aside, which I definitely have my preferences. I'm an AEW and New Japan mark. I loved what ROH was doing, which was about as kind of pure as you could get. I think literally, right. They literally had pure wrestling. So, um, <laughs> I think, you know, when you are answering to stockholders, 
it's one thing to have a style that I'm not as big as a fan of, but like when you look at it from a business perspective, the thing that I think has been most detrimental to creating a product that fans would want is that their money is coming from things like the Saudi Arabia deal coming from the deal with Peacock, because it doesn't mean that the fan money has to be there. And therefore it kind of just feels like they don't really care about the product as much. And if you're hiring non-wrestling writers, like their job postings are looking literally for like kids show writers, things that make sense to wrestling fans are just not going to make sense in the product, like pinning your champions on television or people losing five, six matches in a row and suddenly getting a title shot. Like that takes a rhythm to get into as a writer. And it's, for me as a wrestling fan, it's absolutely maddening. Like I'm just, all I want you to do. The only thing I ask is that you make sense in your own world. You want to tell me you're a wrestling dinosaur? Fine, but be a wrestling dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like you want to, you want to be a dead man? You resurrect yourself, buddy. Like, but it, it needs to make sense in the world that you're functioning in much like any other sort of fandom. I think as long as you're playing by the rules, I can buy into the world that you're creating. But when you start to break your own rules, I get very disinterested. And that unfortunately I think has been the tale of the WWE for the past 18 months. And I think from a product standpoint, the company that got hurt the most from not having a crowd was probably impact from the creative directional standpoint. I think they took the pandemic as an opportunity to say, we don't have to care about fan reaction at all. We're just going to do what we want to do. And that, that really, really hurt them because I don't think there was anybody who was looking for pushes of like, you know, he's not there anymore, but like nobody was asking for like a Jackson Riker push. You know what I mean? Like they just chose who they felt like they wanted to choose. And because there weren't fans there and they were crowding, piping in crowd noise and still are because they're not doing a good enough job of executing on the road. Um, they really didn't have to make that a concern. And I, I think it created some really big potholes in their creative direction right now. Maria has gone on record a lot saying that one of the biggest reasons that her son stopped watching a few years ago was I'm not just the realism, but the, the coherent stories and like this, this is just ridiculous. And I know Maria, is that a big reason why you've been a little bit turned off by the product as well? Yeah, I had to agree with him. Going, <laughs> well, he, he was, uh, I, I want to say, what did we say? 12 at the time. And he was a little disinterested just because of the same. He's like, I could turn on the TV and it's the same thing I saw three weeks ago. I want to see something different. And he just didn't pick back up after that. I think that's so much of it because it's not like you're watching different episodes of a show that you don't really like. It's like you're watching either an entirely different show or a rerun. Like it doesn't feel like episodic television anymore. So I'm not surprised. And I think this like excuse of kid oriented programming is insulting to kids at some point. Like when they were kind of like floored that Nikki ASH wasn't connecting, I was like, if I'm like, I was a little kid weirdo for sure. But like, I would want a Lily doll if I was a little kid, like Lily was cool. Cause I was into like dark and twisty and Beetlejuice and whatever, you know what I mean? So I think they think that kids don't pick up on a lot of things that they, they really do. And when they're watching television child directed as it is, it still usually makes sense. SpongeBob makes sense. Paw Patrol makes sense. It's in, in its own Paw Patrol world. Like, so from five years old on up, you know, through and your son's 12, like I can't imagine wanting to tune in for this thing that feels like a, a giant commercial and doesn't make sense. No mm -hmm. way. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to, to hear the perspective of people whose children were watching 
And to also hear that like the more adult oriented AEW product, I feel like is drawing in a lot of kids because Darby Allen's cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they might not get like, oh, he was the cattle mutilation finisher, but they know Darby Allen's cool. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so it's, I think it's, um, they're grossly underestimating how much kids pick up on and especially in a modern landscape. Like I, I think they've completely um, are at a, at a touch with that connection. I'm not, not surprised to hear that your son got bored with the product. <laughs> he was so bored. He was like, mom, I'm just done. How are you watching this? <laughs> feels like homework. Like people ask me when I would if, stop watching WWE product. And I always say that the answer is the second Sean Ross app stops paying me. I would probably not be watching the WWE product. <laughs> I get paid to do it. I'm happy to watch wrestling that I don't consider that great and talk about it because it's still one of my favorite things in the world to do. But I would prefer to talk about products that I do like, you know what I mean? So um, I hope sincerely for the sake of their fans and especially for the sake of the performers, as well as myself, selfishly, who talks about this every week, uh, <laughs> that the product does turn around and at least finds a rhythm within itself. I will watch sports entertainment with no problem if it's entertaining, even if it's not my preferred thing. I am entertained by Brock Lesnar. I am entertained, um, you know, by Bianca Belair when she's in feuds that make sense. Like I'm, I'm very much able to buy into sports entertainment when it makes sense and when it's entertaining at the end of the day. One of our hopes as a podcast, we said it at the beginning of the the year was to have a WWE AEW 50 50 split when it came to our conversations each and every week. And I think people are starting to see that it's becoming a little more AEW centric. And it's just because it, it tickles our fancy. It really hits our sweet spot. And we've been turned off by Raw and to an extent SmackDown as well. However, let's tie this really into. The one big WWE topic we were going to talk about, and I'm actually excited for it because I don't get to watch many of these pay-per-views anymore. The Royal Rumble. Yes. Is this coming Sunday? And my question to you, Kate, first is, do you see any title changes happening at the Royal Rumble? I mean, unless they're going to defend the women's tag titles and they surprise us with something because that division doesn't really exist, maybe. Um but I don't see any title changes happening there. I think if the Bellas are going to come back for a run, you might see that title change down the line as well. But I don't think so. But it's just been such a murky year that I, I have no confidence that that's true either. Like, it doesn't make sense logically that a title would change right now. I think they're setting that up for a lot of these storylines. But at the same time, I'm like, I definitely didn't think it was going to end up on the raw title was going to end up on Brock. You know what I mean? Even if Big E was going to drop it in that fatal four-way that turned into a five-way, I didn't think it was going to end up on Brock. I thought it was going to end up on Bobby Lashley or maybe a Kevin Owens or whatever. But um, so no, I don't think so. But lately that hasn't meant a whole hell of a lot on the WWE programming side. <laughs> what it's also going to tell us is the Royal Rumble results are actually going to mean something because usually this leads directly into WrestleMania and you have the Saudi Arabia show in the middle, which again, I don't think many people watch. However, the last Saudi Arabia show from the reviews that I have heard personally was there was lauded. It actually was produced quite well the matches were actually entertaining we got a king of the ring a queen of the ring or what was the actual name of it it was the queen's the queen's court yeah yes. i think for a copyright issue they couldn't do queen of the ring but the queen's court yeah so there was that build 
actually had some good stuff. People were saying this was one of the top two or three pay-per-views of the year. So we're really looking to see maybe a world title change. I don't see it on the women's side. Men's side, I call me crazy. And actually, Maria, I'm going to give you both of the men's title matches. And I want you to tell me who you think will win, just based on who I'm telling you. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. And then Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns for the SmackDown Championship, Universal. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Nothing's changing. Yeah. Kate, would you happen to agree with that? Yes, I think it looks like they're going title against title at Mania. So uh, if that's the plan, I think they stay the course here. I would love to see Lashley win. I think that would be real fun. I think it could set Lesnar on a hell of an angry streak. But I think they think that their two biggest stars have the titles right now. So I, I think they'll probably stick around with that. I mean, Lashley and Lesnar is a match that a lot of fans have been clamoring for since Lesnar exited the company and Lashley came into it because when Lashley came into it, I believe he had an MMA background already to begin with. Lesnar left to go. He came here first to Minnesota to try out for the NFL, but then moved on to UFC. So this is, again, something we've been absolutely looking forward to, I believe, for 16 years. So the match itself is going to be explosive. And I am thinking, I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of the titles is changing hands. I'll tell you at the end of the show which one I think is going to change hands because I'm still okay. thinking about it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Becky Lynch and Dewdrop. I'm assuming we're all in agreement that Becky Lynch is going to win this. Yeah, I think so. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mm-hmm. Now for the fun stuff. The men's and the women's Royal Rumble. Kate, this is probably the most unpredictable Royal Rumble that we've ever had. I think just because, again, talent, we don't know who's going to be there because they've been releasing people left and right. NXT call-ups, we're getting some legends probably coming back as well. Do you have a pulse on who you think is going to win? Let's start with the Women's Rumble first. Sure. You know, my dream is that it's a returning Bailey. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if she's ready. I think she might be ready by Mania. I, I hope so, because I think the product could desperately use her. So my pick right now is Bianca Belair, because it's a clean and easy story. I think she's coming back for Becky Lynch. But it is such an interesting year, because you could... It could be Alexa Bliss, whatever transformation journey she's on. They could do, uh, they could have Lita win it. Realistically, they could have Charlotte Flair win it and call her shot like she said she was going to do. So it is a more interesting rumble year because it's unpredictable. I just hate that the unpredictability has come because the product has been so weak. So if I'm putting money down, it's on Bianca Belair, but it's a wide open field realistically. Again, it's going to make for a lot of fun. Maria, do you have a pick for the women's side? I don't know who's in the Rumble, but, uh, you know, deep down, I want Bianca to win. Yeah. If she's in it, of course. 
make some history first repeat royal rumble winner yeah yeah on the women's side for sure which would be incredible no sasha banks this year unfortunately I'm going to call out a return because I'm going to, I'm going to lead into you as well with Bianca Belair. I think she'll repeat. I'm going to, I think Oscar's going to return. I I hope so. I hope so. And she's someone that I would love to see win it because I also, if I could set up the women's division in any way, it would be that we would get a four horse woman fatal four way as your main event of one of the nights of WrestleMania. And then to have Oscar be able to challenge for a title at some point, I think would be great. Um, I'm hoping that she returns and it also sounds like Ronda Rousey might be on her way back, which just broke literally a couple hours ago on Fightful. <laughs> so, um, that is, you know, if she enters the rumble and wins my goodness. If it was her versus Becky, my word, like we might finally get the main event that we had kind of wanted originally at WrestleMania in, in Jersey over yeah. here. So, uh, that, I mean, literally a half hour before I got on the podcast, I think I saw, so that could that could very well shake things way, way up. You broke news to all of us. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Off the top no of your problem. head, was it was it reported how long that she, how long ago did she have her child? That's a good question. I think it was, I just have no idea what time looks like anymore since the pandemic, yeah. to be honest. But um, I think it was a, a good like six to eight months ago. I know. You and I both are doing the exact same thing right now, I think. Looking it up. Yeah um welcome to baby girl oh no it was only on september 28th okay so but if it's if she she might just come back at mania not rumble too that gives her a a couple more months but i think she would be really fun in a rumble match because she's just such an ass kicker and so strong she could throw anybody over the ropes and (laughs) um you know her stamina would be there to go for a really long time if they wanted her to enter early or if she wanted uh, you know, a number 30 entrant and she just goes and clears the ring. I think it would be a, a tremendous pop. So, you know, that might dash, dash some of Bianca's momentum or maybe Rhonda and Becky are just destined to be in triple threats for the rest of their life. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Four months removed from giving birth to a child. So Becky Lynch came back, I want to say eight months after she delivered, maybe eight and a half. That'd be a quick quick turnaround if that were to happen working in the fitness and nutrition industry is and i'm very familiar with how quick postpartum recovery is being able to get back into the shape that you kind of want to be in six months is like yeah i tell people six months women i'd say good end nine ten eleven months would be sure. like i'm back 100 would be i'd say 10 to 12 months and i think i don't know if you need it when you have like Lita, Amy Dumas coming back and so much star power already there, maybe she just comes back at Mania. You know, maybe Becky retains over Bianca and then she comes out or maybe she costs Becky and the title's back on Bianca and their feud is reignited for SummerSlam. Like there's so many directions you could go that don't involve rushing her back into the Rumble. But also Rumble can be probably not as physically taxing because you probably can like you can camouflage a lot of stuff behind rumble with some spots but if it's ronda rousey i don't think she half-asses anything so i think she could be a really interesting return for mania if they wanted to to push that creative off a little bit wouldn't blame them (laughs) i agree and actually what is kind of refreshing is they are bringing back a lot of the divas from the diva era and i don't groan about it because this rarely happens. Whereas you bring back a Goldberg, you bring back a 
I'll use Brock Lesnar, I suppose, because he disappears and comes back. I think this is great to see a Mickey James, a Bria Nikki Bella, who we haven't seen in years, a Michelle McCool, Lita, Summer Rae even. This is going to be a lot of fun to see people that we used to see on our television because this doesn't happen often. And this nostalgia pop will, in my opinion, actually work. Do you both agree there? I, I agree. I I half agree. I think the nostalgia pop will work. I just feel like a lot of the reason we're getting this nostalgia pop is because the women's rosters are literally so thin. And it's not my favorite era of wrestling because of the time that I came in again. I started watching in 09. It, it was the bathroom break match until AJ Mendez kind of came along. So I think for me, I wish that those spots were reserved maybe for a couple more NXT call-ups. I think that it's so many of them. Of course, I want to see Mickey James and Lita. Summer Rae, too, I think was underrated. Like, I, for me, I don't need Michelle McCool. And I also don't understand why they spoiled the surprises of a lot of these. Like, I get leaking some. But the Bella Twins, I think you could just bring them back for a tag match, you know, against Carmella and Zelina. I don't know if they need a rumble spot. Um, things like that, where I, I don't know if it's worth robbing anyone on your very thin, already current roster, um, to, to do that. I'd rather see the Sarays of the world and, uh, the Kaylee Rays and, and, uh, gosh, Dakota Kai, so, so many great women in, in that NXT crop that I think are doing really good things. So, um, that would be my preference. I think I just don't need like a dozen of them. If it had been like five, I think that would have been really great, but to me, I love that they are trying to make right what they did to, to Mickey James on her way out the door. I think that woman deserves a ton of respect for what she did in this and continues to do in this industry. My goodness. And to have the maturity to do business again. I mean, I'm sure she's getting a big payday, but you know, I'm sure she pushed to have that knockouts women's championship mentioned on <laughs> WWE television. I don't think that's something say WWE would suggest on their own. So, so I'm a, I'm a little bit split on it, but I think, um, you know, the divas division just, it wasn't for me. I wasn't a butterfly belt girl myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I had a younger crowd on last week. I had Jay Shell and Haley from bodyslam.net and this yeah. just happened to be their era. And they were like, yes, we can, you can crap on that era, which we, we rightfully did, I think at that time. And just because of, we called it the bathroom break match. We, yes. And yeah. now thankfully that is gone. We were seeing women main events. So it's, it's awesome to see, but and maybe like, never the, yeah, go the, ahead. The, um, that to me is also not on the performers. I think the performers were great at what they were asked to do. I think it's impossible to say, go get yourself over in three minutes. And the way that they were framed was unfair to probably a lot of their skills. So it's, it's not that I'm not excited to see the performers it's that I don't really have a sentimental attachment to that era very much. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> I think one woman I would love to see, and this would be if she was just coming off of her NXT title run, I would have loved to have seen an EO Shirai just pop up and yes. win the whole thing. And it's still a possibility because there's still a lot of slots left, you know? So I, I don't think it's impossible and she's not really doing anything in NXT right now, which means she might be in that, Weird NXT main roster purgatory. If Asuka's coming back, I would love to see EO and Asuka, one of them eliminate each other and, and to immediately jump into a feud. I think that would be very, very healthy for the product. Yes. I would write that in there, honestly, Kate, if you were to throw those two in the ring, I think from a working standpoint, I don't think there's a better match in the WWE. Period. Not right now, no. Yeah. Men or women than EO versus Asuka. Yeah, truly. I think, I think you're, 
you're pretty right about that. Like, I think the only match and it's not going to happen because I think it's going to be a full tag run, but I think Rollins versus Owens, there's going to be so much money if they choose to split them up at some point, but I think they're going to have a nice little run here. The men's tag division is not in much better shape than the women. So I think they want to capitalize on how fun and charismatic both of them are. Let's go to the men's Royal rumble. And before we do, we're going to celebrate a six year anniversary and I'm going to let Maria gloat just a little bit because happy sixth anniversary to AJ styles appearing in the WWE. Royal oh, rumble today. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty awesome time. One of, the, one of the few times where they mentioned a past, a new Japan. He was a worldwide performer. AJ styles. It was mentioned on an actual pay-per-view as opposed to hiding the truth that he came from another promotion. Yeah, something yeah. exists outside <laughs> of their ecosystem. And I think the last performer outside of Rousey, who I don't, it would have been unavoidable, but who got to keep their outside name and their real life name. Like, I don't think there's been anybody who's been able to negotiate a deal. He had so much momentum going into that um, and just continues to be one of the, the absolute, absolute best performers in the world. So I absolutely adore him. And give... Give the WWE credit as well. He has won a championship, and it was a long reign, and it was fairly memorable. He had took it from John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, and ran with it. He him and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, they had fantastic matches on SmackDown. Maria, is there anything positive? Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe wrestled him a few times. Shinsuke Nakamura, that feud was a little bit muddled because we saw what we saw in New Japan. However, you got to see it on a bigger stage in America as opposed to the world. Maria, just sing some more praises for AJ Styles before we dive into the men. What do you want me to say? I mean, he's just absolutely amazing. He's the best, one of the best performers in the world, if if not the. <laughs> if there is a Mount Rushmore of 21st century wrestlers, he's on it. Oh, he's definitely on it. He's in the Rumble, of, along with it looks like about 20 other men. Kate, I will start with you. Do you have a pick for the men's rumble? It's so tricky because it looks like we're getting title versus title. My hope is that they do right by Biggie, though I am very not confident in that in any way, <laughs> shape, or form because they've immediately demoted him to like the 10 o'clock slot doing goofy shit. But, um, you know, there's such an obvious story there with the New Day versus the Bloodline. They've rematched this to death with Usos versus New Day, but I think if we could eventually get to Biggie versus Roman, that is something that could be really special. So, um, and the brand split clearly means absolutely nothing because people from raw keep showing up on SmackDown all the time. So I'm going to go with Biggie against my better judgment because that's where my heart's at right now. And it's still again, on the men's side, a pretty open field. I asked for this when he lost his championship to Apollo Crews intercontinental title at WrestleMania. I said, give me Biggie versus Roman Reigns next year and let him end the reign. Let's yeah. see if that'll happen. Maria, you want to throw a wild card in there to win the men's rumble? Or do you want to go with AJ Styles in this situation? I guess I'll just go with AJ because you know what? Is he a Grand Slam champion? Ah, uh, great question. I don't believe I so. I think he is. No, I think he is. Yeah. Intercontinental champion US. Tag team. And tag with Omas. He has held the so, tag with Omas. He has held the world title. Give him. He's about to retire. Give him the Royal Rumble win one time. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, little little I, favoritism. I There's, like where your head's at. I think Omos is throwing him <laughs> over the rope. Yeah. I'm not excited about it. <laughs> uh, 
I know he he was a sponge. Omas has probably learned a lot from AJ Styles, so we're hoping that he can apply that into the future because you know they have huge plans for him somewhere down the road, and he's either going to sink or swim no matter what, but he's going to be thrown at our televisions for a long time. Absolutely. Anybody think that we're going to get a Dark Horse Braun Breaker win here? I don't. Give give me a good reason. Your dog does. Give, give me a good reason why, Kate. <laughs> I think they think Braun Breaker is the future. I can't really argue with them. I think, I personally, I think him winning the NXT title so close to Rumble means it's not going to happen. I do think he might be the person to dethrone Roman. I just think it might happen at like SummerSlam a little bit later. Um, I think we're going to see him. My hope is that we see him in the Rumble because he could do some really fun stuff as far as clearing out the ring, get fans an appetizer of him, but have him eventually get eliminated by someone. Um, but I do think he's going to be the guy to dethrone Roman. So if they're going title for title at Mania, Maybe they set that up for SummerSlam and, and this Rumble match championship match happens, you know, a little bit later, but um, he's been incredible considering how new he is to, to wrestling. He's really taken to it like a duck to water. He's a Steiner. He's a Steiner. They got to change that too. My goodness. He's a Steiner, man. Come on. <laughs> Bronson Rex Steiner. I go with the Bron if you want to call him Bron Steiner, call Bronson. him Rex Steiner call him by his very obvious last name, especially if you're going to allude to it so much on our screens. <laughs> Completely agree. Heart says Biggie. Head is going with, and now I'm going to tell you, Bobby Lashley will defeat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Brock Lesnar will enter the Royal Rumble and win it. All right. I wouldn't put it past them. It's not my favorite route to get there, but I could see that being the case. It's definitely not my favorite route either, Kate. <laughs> it just sounds like a world wrestling entertainment move. It absolutely does sound like that. <laughs> so Lashley getting the world title. We'll see a Bobby Lashley. I'll go Biggie World or WWE Championship match for WrestleMania. We'll get Roman versus Brock for a SmackDown champ for the Universal title at WrestleMania. Very nice. Before this current storyline, my pick was going to be Seth Rollins because I thought he would dethrone Roman. Uh, as the only guy who's really beat him in the past and brother versus brother story. So, um, but yeah, now, now this current storyline, obviously I think that's not the case. <laughs> it, there are people out there and Maria, I'll actually ask you this as well. There are people out there with not a conspiracy theory. However, they're predicting that Seth Rollins can defeat Roman Reigns on Sunday. What percent chance do you give Seth to defeat Roman Maria? I actually had like, I was kind of borderline, like maybe Seth Rollins can do it. Can he do it? Maybe 50% chance. So I'm not going to go too high. That's high. I uh, like your wavelength any, though. I, I kind of was like, maybe he could do it when I saw that match up. But I, I mean, I don't know. That makes sense. Cause then Roman enters the rumble and wins. Like that's, a, yeah. that's the, the SmackDown version of what you, you would kind of laid out. So I think there's about a 20% chance if they do, I think it'll be the biggest glimmer of hope that we've had. Cause it means one that they're planning something like more than a week before, because that's a plan. <laughs> and two, that means they're going to shake some things up on the, on this road to WrestleMania. I think if, if they opt to do that, I think that means that they are actually going to hopefully with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turn things around a little bit, or at least do something that's a little bit unpredictable and in a good way, I hope. So I don't think it's going to happen, though. <laughs> I don't either. either, but there are two things. I do know that Seth Rollins' track record against Roman Reigns in singles matches and triple threats is pretty damn good. So yeah. I don't know, even know if Roman has a singles win against him. I'd have to look that up. Number two, this podcast in the last month has manifested a lot of things. Maria predicted Jurassic Express to win the Ooh. AEW World Tag Team Championships at the show was she was at at the fifth. There for it. You were there too? Oh, yeah. I was there too. I, <laughs> I'm still not convinced that that was their original plan. No? I think that that Phoenix injury might have been something where they called that on the fly a little bit, but um, I could also be wrong. They like to do fun things like that. Uh, but the... The way the lights went out certainly made it seem like they were setting up Lucha Brothers versus Brody and Malachi, I thought. Yeah. Um, and then I thought maybe when Phoenix, because I thought for sure, I was like, oh, that guy's out for next year. Because that I was like, his arm is broken off his entire bone. There's no way. But thankfully, not the case. But I'm glad you that you manifested that one. At Fightful, they manifest all the bad stuff. I'm telling you. They predict... <laughs> Uh, we have one moderator in our chats over there. God bless him. He's a great guy, but he keeps he keeps predicting things and it's the worst stuff and it always comes true. And he's like, well, it's a predictable product. And I'm like, no, you're calling it into existence, Joel. That's what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> I think Joel and I might have done the wrong stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the same thing. Because when I saw that it was announced that Lesnar was going to be thrown in the in the five way, I said he was winning it. Yeah. It it's a WWE move. I'm it's sure it's probably so what Joel said. Is. And then when he came in last, I was like, "Well, there's Biggie's championship out the window." Like when yeah. when Brock had the last entrance. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Maria also manifested Jade Cargill's TBS title win. All right, very nice, very nice. That was a tough back and forth that we had. I went Ruby with my head and my heart said Jade in that match too. So either way, I would have been happy. Yeah, I figured it was gonna be Jade. Um. The I would have preferred to be Ruby just because I'm I'm like really strong in ring. I think Jade is so special on um her character and the charisma that she br- brings, and nobody else in the world looks like her. My goodness, I can't believe she pushed children out of that body of hers. But um, <laughs> I just I'm an in ring gal, and I I'm just a huge huge Ruby Soho fan. But what we saw at a Jade and Anna on Rampage, I think, is a very good sign. I thought. By a mile, that was Jade's best match. So looking forward to the rest of her reign as well. Two women with, I want to say, 35 to 40 matches experience combined. Yep, absolutely wild how well that went and how smooth Anna Jay is both with her lack of experience and coming back from an injury, I think is is something really special. She's going to be a very, very bright spot in that division soon enough. Yeah, it's absolutely tremendous. Before we hit the AEW portion, which is the meat and potatoes of this, Kate, you were at GCW, the world yes. on last night. I want to talk about it. I had I caught the second half of the night because my child finally went to sleep. Yay. So being, <laughs> being in the crowd, give me your thoughts on the, the whole experience and in the matches as well. 
Sure. I mean, the vibe in there was absolutely electric because I think everybody who was in that building knew what it meant to, to be an independent promotion running a show at Hammerstein. Like, man, like how special that is because it's independent, independent too. It's not half independent like ROH. It's not like New Japan running there. This is, they don't have any television contracts. They built this up from the ground up. And um, I think everybody there was aware of how special that was and what that meant. And environment wise, you're not looking to many earlier letters in the alphabet than GCW. It feels like ECW from what everybody has said ECW felt like. So very rowdy and wild crowd in a good way. Um, they're never not going to throw stuff at Matt Cardona, no matter what happens. Like people (laughs) from the balconies were throwing things into the ring, like very, very invested. And, um, you know, the main event with Nick Gage, like the place just goes nuts for that guy. It's really, really incredible. So, um, between that and Mox's return, Ruby and Allie, I think was maybe my favorite match of the night, to be honest. Like I, I thought they did such a good job and I thought it was so special that it happened. Card wise, I actually didn't like love necessarily a lot of the booking and the order of the card. The ladder match was insane. I thought someone was going to die. I thought PCO was definitely going to die. Like, what is he doing with his body at this age? Like, it's just absolutely nuts. Um, And for me, just personally, like, I was so excited for Eddie Kingston against AJ Gray. Like, and then that got canceled. And then I was like, the next most excited thing for me was Gresham versus uh, Blake Christian. And then Gresham couldn't be there. So I was like, oh, the matches I was looking to the most forward, not by any fault of their own, just by the way it, it unfolded, kind of got booted from there. I also didn't love um, Jeff Jarrett going over Effie. I thought that was just kind of a weird choice. Um, Ruby going at over Allie wasn't my favorite, but I get it a little bit more because she's a very active competitor on, on a television program like Ruby should and, and logical wrestling sense. And I also think in the tag match, you know, with that open challenge, I think people thought it was going to be FTR and it wasn't. And then people thought it might be SGC because Mance Warner was walking around on a healthy leg. Um, not healthy enough yet. It doesn't sound like because ring shape and being able to walk are two different things, but um, you know, everybody was so excited that Gage was there and excited for Tremont too, I think. But, um, when that goes on as the main event, I think people were really expecting FTR. So, um, that was the only time like the vibe was weird. Moxley versus homicide was such a short match, but it's just amazing to see the shape Moxley is back in. He looks so happy and healthy. It's, it's so heartwarming to see him just looking so, so great and just performing everywhere. He was at AEW, GCW, he was at North Carolina, um, like the day before, I think he's all over the place. So just nice to see him back doing what he loves and homicide holds such as a special place in in both professional wrestling and New York to combine them was really great. So I wish the women had kind of co-main evented. I thought that would have been really special. Um, so the card was a little all over the place for like my liking, but if it did, the job of giving all of their homegrown talent, big matches against other people, which I think was the intent, like all of their single stars kind of got a match against like a TV name or a legend. I, th- I think that's something really special. And just the experience of seeing like an independent show at Hammerstein ballroom is such a special moment. Brent Lauderdale gave a great speech before everything kind of got officially started. So 
it was a really, really special night, even though it wasn't like my favorite match by match, the whole experience overall was just like such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and a nice reminder that despite everybody's bickering online and stuff like independent wrestling and wrestling in general is in such a healthy place. There is something for everyone to watch. There is not a type of wrestling that doesn't exist and isn't accessible to you um, as a wrestling fan. Like, and, and that's something that I think we, we all need to remind ourselves of like every day. Cause it's a really, really great time for professional wrestling. <laughs> a great escape. And I'm going to go a slightly off topic here. So I'm going to ask you this, cause you've been to a lot of indie shows in the last three or four months. Have you really soaked in the vibe and you, have you really enjoyed yourself at those shows? Well, I'll say that I, uh, I went to a bunch of independent shows that I think people are just so excited for people to for wrestling to be back on the independent level. Like it's such a fun thing to go to. It's so affordable. So many of the WWE releases, like to go see Bud Matthews at an independent show is ridiculous to me. Like that guy has so much star power and is so special to pro wrestling. Um, so seeing independent wrestling be back in full force, I think fans really missed it while it was gone. And we're so excited. Every promotion I've gone to, they've just been so excited that wrestling is back. Like the fans were just itching for their once a month or whatever they run to, to go back out there. So it's from what I've seen, it's, it's been just the best, like ever. It's such a uh, an intimate environment. The vibe is definitely intimate and yes, it's mm-hmm. all on top of the I, ring, a whole nine I, yards. Go ahead. I did. I did go to a few um, indie shows. Yeah, I did. They're fun. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's just a really fun, different environment than going to like an AEW or WWE show. So, did you go local little, in, in Jersey? Yeah, I went to a lot of like like really independent shows, like um, <laughs> LTW shows. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. So. I mean, we did go to Maryland the one time. That was a really good show. Um, James Ellsworth's show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I did go. Um, it's a lot of fun. Nice. It's a lot of fun. We mentioned Chris Slade on the show because that was the performance that stood out to you the most. He definitely did. He still does. I mean, every independent show that I've gone to, he still stands out the most. He did a phenomenal job. I was like blown away. I'm like, he's an independent Wrestler, why isn't he signed somewhere? Your stars of tomorrow come from somewhere, and they usually come from the indies. So this is why you should do your homework and go see an indie show or go out of your way to watch a special. Like, this was on a grandest stage because it was Fight TV and pay-per-view. Real quick, I am going to shamelessly plug. Shout out to AJ Gray for winning that grab the brass ring ladder match last night. He was on the show last week wrote an article about him, and he had honestly no idea what direction he was going to be going on this show. He said, I, Brett Lauderdale has not told me a thing. I have no clue. He's a lot more vulgar than I am right now. And <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't want to be thrown in no GD scramble. F that. They threw him in the GD scramble, and he won it. <laughs> and now he's got a world title shot down the line. Yeah, I think – um so they had two scrambles before TV too. And then that ladder match, I was like, this is not like your average Joe's ladder match. Like Tony Depp and being in a ladder match is not like, you know what I mean? So I think at Alex Cologne and the names that they had in there, they put on a hell of a, a performance. And yeah, I just thought, I thought at one point everybody was going to die. Like at one point in the match or later, like 
AJ just fell straight into a ladder. Like didn't jump, wasn't, wasn't like an intentional, just fell into the ladder. PCO, <laughs> what is he doing? Um, Deppin just taking insane bumps as always. Like, uh, but, and Cologne has just the, the pain tolerance of someone who, I don't know, can't feel anything. Like, I don't, I can't even like quantify it. So it was a really, really fun mix of people that were in that, where I feel like a lot of times those matches aren't for me. It was like, no, you had, you had some of the best guys in there that to put this on, like, it was a really, really hot way to open the show and a lot of fun. AJ Gray went on record and said, cause he won the GCW extreme title from PCO on the 15th. He went on record and said, that dude is not human. He's like, I've watched him fall from like 15 feet in the air, almost on his head, get up like nothing was wrong. He's like, I saw a dude who's not human. Yeah. And he's, it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. And this is like a little different than him running around with Dan Housen at ROH. Like it's, <laughs> it was nuts to see what he's been able to do. It's been nuts to see what Sting can do. You know, like it's, it's really been something else to see um, this older generation because I think we're so conditioned to people dying younger or not being well because of the eighties and the nineties. Like I think seeing this next crop that's come up in those years took heed, you know, took, took a warning, um, and has maybe done a little bit better job of picking their spots and stuff, but PCO is not picking his spots. He's just out of his mind. Like, I don't know. It's nuts. 50-something years old, it's absolutely incredible. We mentioned John Moxley defending the GCW world title against Homicide. It's going to segue brilliantly into, you all heard at the beginning of the podcast, the first about 45 seconds of parts of the John Moxley promo and talking about his scars and how many he's retaining on the inside and you see him on the outside and he's ready for warfare. And Kate already mentioned that he wrestled three times last weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, first things first, Maria, I'll actually start with you. Are you ready to see a John Moxley, Brian Danielson? Yeah. Oh yeah. Up? Yeah. You don't even have to finish that. I'm ready. Bring it on. <laughs> I was robbed of this at full gear in Minneapolis here. I, it was the match I was looking forward to the most. Cause I was under the impression Moxley was going to win that match against orange Cassidy and get rolling, get the ball rolling here. So we now have him defeat Ethan Page. He went into Northeast Wrestling. He now defeated Homicide. Maria, did you get a chance to check out the promo? Yeah, I did, actually. I did. Did, did you feel some heartstrings? And did you enjoy the beginning yeah, where I he did. called out the gentleman? <laughs> the the guy? Yeah, I was laughing. Bob that was best. great. <laughs> a new dad, and that definitely hits home with me, bought his book. The day that his book came out was the day that he announced he was going into rehab. So he's been gone since October 27th from television. Three months removed, he is back. Kate, how much better is the wrestling world with John Moxley in it? Oh, I mean, just infinitely. Like that clip of him because he's facing Danielson again had just by nature of wrestling fans brought up feuds uh, from independent days and also when um, they were in WWE and he had that hilarious clip as the Mountie and you realize like what a diverse performer John Moxley is, which was my favorite part of his title reign in, in AEW. You saw him wrestle death matches. You saw him wrestle MJF. You saw him wrestle so many different styles. And as far as promos, to me, he's always read as one of the most authentic promos out there. Like, I really, really appreciate him. I love the tag stuff he was doing with Eddie. I thought was wonderful. That match that they had against the Young Bucks was crazy. Like, he's just so versatile and all of it seems to come from a really authentic place. And just happy to hear that he's 
happier and he just looks like he is 10 years younger it's it's incredible how much healthier he looks and he certainly looks like he's in ring shape because he's just been suplexing people all over the place so mm-hmm. um very excited about he and danielson being in a feud i think it's a great opponent to have coming back i think the best wrestler in the world is probably a good person to get in the ring with um and i just liked the way they set that up too i like it when TV promotions assume that I'm smart. And I think the fact that they just had Danielson come out when he was exiting uh, the the ring and just kind of like give him a nod. They didn't really even say anything. What a perfect way and something different than we've seen in AEW to, to set this up. I, I think it's going to be gangbusters. Can't wait. For storyline purposes, Maria, I'll start with you. Does it matter who wins this Moxley Danielson feud? No, not not to me personally. No. I, honestly, not to me either, even though I am partial more so to Moxley. How about you, Kate? No, I think uh, I think we're going to win either way. I think Danielson might come out the victory. It, normally that goes against that. I think the returning person usually wins those shots, but because Danielson, they're trying to keep on this ridiculous streak, and I think Mox is going to get cheered no matter what. Um, I do think maybe... You know, there's a possibility you see Miro come back if he's healthy or something. Like, this stems from that tournament uh, spot being taken away, right? So I think there might be shenanigans in the story somewhere, even if it doesn't cost either one of them a win or a loss. Like, you might see a re-entry for Miro into this, I think would be really cool and special. How special, by the way, has it been the last couple of months with AEW that they've been reintroducing guys that you forgot about? Lance Archer being one a couple weeks ago. And you mentioned Miro, which would be a good call, calling of the shot coming up, yeah. maybe in the very near future. And we're going to dive into the Cleveland show after we get into a very fun portion of this podcast. The Iron Sheik tweets of the week. Kate, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Iron Sheik and his He's Twitter account. Best. He's my favorite account. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> tell everyone the F word and rip on Hulk Hogan the rest of your life. I am here for that all day, buddy. Oh my gosh. He is <sighs> the best. I have so many friends that like don't follow wrestling that have seen me retweet him and then they go follow him because it's just the funniest thing you've ever seen. Like he's the best. He's the best. He's the best person at Twitter. <laughs> like there's nobody. Yep. Really Maria brought this to the show. It's the greatest con- contribution she's ever brought to it. I, <laughs> no offense. The iron Sheik brightens everyone's day. We have yeah, to go back sorry. a few weeks. So I have a lot because we screenshot each other. These are the ones we're going to use. So I'm going to start with, in a group effort, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Next, if you still say, without much further ado, you can go fuck yourself forever. <laughs> uh, here we go. Dear trolls, nobody give a fuck about your opinion. <laughs> that is a Hall of Famer. That is a Hall of Fame tweet. <laughs> I think this one might be the winner. We have a couple more left. For more information, call 1-800-GO-FUCK-YOURSELF. <laughs> I think I retweeted that one. <laughs> oh, what a dream. <laughs> uh, fuck your so fingers. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, right? Uh, this one's great, too. Absence makes the heart go fuck yourself. That's beautiful. Uh, I think that's it. Yesterday was an anniversary of his, by the way, and not a good one either. Uh, 38 years ago yesterday, he lost the WWF championship to Hulk Hogan at Madison Square Garden. Oh, a rough one. How long ago? Yeah, I will say there was a tweet 
this is the one I retweeted because I was like, is it that one? With gratitude, go fuck yourself was from the other day. <laughs> what a champion. <laughs> He's such a gem. I can't. He is. If you play your cards right, go fuck, go fuck yourself. yourself. <laughs> so funny. I'm going to try to find one from the Hulk Hogan anniversary yesterday before we move on. Here it is. Just imagine I broke his leg and took the belt back to the Minnesota. What would the business look like today? Oh, we feel I so bad. I think <laughs> knowing what we know now. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. We all it's, do. It's hard. I tell people all the time. I completely understand that this entire industry was built on his back. But when you're a fan that started watching in 09, um, between knowing what we know about him now and some of his stuff not being very timeless. Um, you That's why he's not, I think I'm like a lot of people's Hall of Fame, you know, their Mount Rushmore's, whatever. Like, I think he's not a lot of people, like modern fans, top five lists because of that. Like, it's not uh, the timelessness of, of some other wrestlers that we've seen. So um, yeah, I'm much more on the Iron Sheik Twitter bandwagon than I am the Hulk Hogan bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh... me too. So everything I read will go into our Rolodex document and we're going to try to pick the Iron Sheik tweet of the year next year. That's going to be, oh you should gosh. do a tournament. Yeah. Oh, the fans decide. Yeah. Have that's brackets. actually, that's a great, <laughs> great. Let's do it, Kate. I'm done. Boom. We're, we're going to do it. So I think Maria and I will, I, yeah, we'll have to go through, I'll try to do like a sweet 16 or a 32. I don't want it to go too long, but yeah, the Iron you Sheik. You could do it as March Madness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We're doing that next year. I love it. Sold. <laughs> we have one more topic, and I think this is the one that the three of us are probably the most knowledgeable about because this is a huge show coming up here in Cleveland, Beach Break, AEW. The storyline that the three of us are probably the most invested in, I would imagine, is CM Punk and MJF. Maria is the biggest MJF fan on the planet. Well, and yeah. Yes. And I, I think, Kate, you and I probably fall among the millions of legions of CM Punk fans. I quite like MJF as well. But you know what? He was rude to me on Twitter the other day. So fuck that guy. <laughs> I saw that. He was, oh, rude. It was a riot. It was a riot. I just simply because I like to be prepared for podcasts, wanted to know how many wins MJF had this year. And the answer happens to be zero. Okay. I was asking Twitter an informative question and he might've taken that the wrong way and retweeted me with like a little trolley gif. And then um, I said that, of course, Larry is better than his cat Piper. So it got pretty heated, but uh, <laughs> all of it's true. He has no wins this year and Larry's better than Piper. So that's what's up. <laughs> so I'm a CM Punk stan anyway. And on top of that, MJF is rude to me on Twitter. Forget it. <laughs> Beautiful. So, Maria, let's ask you this question. We are so good at manifesting things. We're adding the third wheel in this one, Wardlow. Cleveland, Ohio just so happens to be his hometown. Do you see him turning on MJF this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite? That's tough. Oh, that's tough. Because I feel like that turn is like a pay-per-view turn. Oh. Oh, this I'm, is so, a I'm so torn on it. It's a big payoff, though, and it, it's slowly, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So I'll give you a little bit of time, and I'll ask you another question. 
CM Punk's getting interviewed. Will the match between him and MJF happen the following Wednesday on AEW Dynamite in Chicago, Illinois? It's a pay-per-view worthy match. I don't know. I feel like they're going to wait. They're going to stretch it. I think one of these two things is happening. Kate, what do you think? Man, that's a tricky one because we're running out of people for MJF to uh, to throw at CM Punk, right? We've run through the pinnacle at this point. I think we're going to see the split with Wardlow. Um, there's part of me that thinks MJF is going to go over Punk and that might start Punk's heel turn. I, I really think that could happen. Um, and that would be a beautiful way to do it. So I think you want this Wardlow split to happen a little bit sooner than later. I think the match is going to happen at the pay-per-view, but Chicago, they'll give us, they'll give us something to do with that storyline because this right now is kind of the biggest long-term story that they have rocking and rolling. And it's been a hell of a, a hell of a story as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. So I'll take it. Would you both be okay with a punk MJF match in Chicago and the rematch at revolution? Yes. I Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, one thing that AEW doesn't necessarily do great on is the timing of their feuds. I think they oftentimes run really long. I think that usually happens with stables more than anything else. So I think with two solo guys, even though MJF has the pinnacle, like I think to do a match in a rematch is going to be a really clean way to do a, a long-term story. Um, so I, I all day, all day, I would take that. Mm-hmm. No problem. <laughs> I am going to ask the biggest fans of these separate gentlemen a question. Maria, once this feud is over, who is MJF's next feud going to be with? Oh, boy. Um, that's a good question. Who's next for MJF after CM Punk? What about Brian Danielson? Whoa. And <laughs> let's Kate spun it. It makes sense with Maybe Moxley and Danielson going head to head, Miro interjecting himself. Maybe Danielson can revert right back to the face. He can kind of play the tweener. Yeah, I don't think that's a huge leap away. I would say you got to get MJF dirty in a title picture somewhere, though. And I think maybe it's going to be Sammy Guevara first. I think maybe you got another pillar versus pillar situation. They have all the history between the pinnacle and the inner circle. I think Sammy's beating Cody. Um, and, and that could be because I think he's going to be the one to dethrone hangman. I think punk goes to hangman first though. Um, and if his first punk isn't against, if his first loss isn't against MJF, I think maybe it's against hangman. I think the heel turns happening with either one of them, either with MJF or, or Adam page. Cause I think maybe he just loses his mind at he, the fact that he lost the championship match. Um, so I, I think. Uh, MJ versus Sammy is such a natural fit, especially uh, if Sammy beats Cody. Like, why not throw MJF there next? They revisited. So that would revisit a match that happened on my birthday in 2020 last or 2021 last year. MJF, Sammy Guevara on AEW Dynamite, which was a damn good match. And we would love to see that again. Yeah, we would. Yeah. So MJF and also Maria made a prediction that MJF would be a TNT champion at some point this year, too. Oh, all right. I think he might be wearing main rust or main championship gold. I I feel like he's going to have a really healthy long run with it, but he's so young. It's like create what trajectory you want for the guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) So Kate, you're going to go with CM Punk then interjecting himself into the title picture with hangman page after this. I think so. And, you know, I could also see him, the there's a, a fellow that was with, with fightful for a while that came up with this and I love it. 
um, that Punk actually dethrones Hangman. Um, and he does it with like a low blow and that his heel turn happens in a moment rather mm-hmm. than like a longer burn. Low blows Hangman gets the title and then Eddie Kingston gets to come back and say, I told all you motherfuckers that this guy was not who you said he was. And I love that idea because I'm also a huge Eddie Kingston mark. So that was like my favorite, my dream matches for Punk were Eddie and MJF and we're getting them like right now. It's like my absolute pro wrestling dream is what's going on right now. (laughs) But I love, 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 love that booking because- Eddie and Punk felt bigger than the match that they had. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're very good at letting these stories simmer in the background and then just gassing them up when they feel like it, but they never really go away. So I just, I thought that was a brilliant call and to make Punk's heel turn happen in a moment against the biggest baby face in the company. Like, why not, right? Oh, and you could easily go in as baby face Punk who's undefeated and- Adam Page, who's your your champion? Like, I think you can do face versus face and get away with that. I, I love that idea. I'm in a top five percentile of CM Punk marks on probably Planet Earth, and all of everything that you said blew my mind right there, Kate. And I'm trying to process it all. So I'll start with this: <laughs> CM Punk and Eddie Kingston at Full Gear was the match. I think I was is probably number two on my I wanted to see list behind the the world title, and I sat there cheering for both men and even towards the end i kind of wanted eddie kingston to win and this is me being a huge cm punk fan but eddie tugs at my heartstrings better than i think anybody in pro wrestling today so to see yeah just to see that now punk and hangman if you can tie it historically into when punk won the roh world title back in 2005 and have him do his summer of punk all over again in AEW, where he goes heel and just goes on these crazy, crazy promo-laden tirades and see the character that we saw 17 years ago. Sign me up. All day. Sign me up. All day. You could have him come back, and if he's going to be, um, you know, a straight-edge dick, he could face a face Darby. You know what I mean? Like, he could, the drunk cowboy versus the straight-edge dude, like, I mean, that's just there all day for you, right? Like, you could run that yeah. back a couple times. Danielson and Punk in AEW for the title all day, but that natural visceral hatred that that Eddie and Punk were able to create in a very short amount of time, by the way, like that's not done. And that match, you know, he didn't come to the ramp and do its clobbering time and look around. That that match broke um, the formula for what pro wrestling matches are are viewed as. I think because that was just a that was a bloody fight. I mean, that was just. That was like an emotive 12 minute or whatever experience that that was where they just beat the hell out of each other. That didn't even feel like a wrestling match per se. So, um, and both of them can really wrestle. So I think you can revisit that story. That's that to me is one you could make them Sean and, and Hunter and I could watch them feud for the rest of their lives like that. I'm fine with that. Those are two of my favorite dudes. <laughs> also a great one. Maria, you want to throw a CM Punk next feud prediction? I would like to see him face Brian Danielson. Everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Danielson versus everyone, man. Get yeah, a little triangle I mean, going. Yeah. I'm just so onto him. He's doing so good. I it's love nuts. MJF, but you know, he's, <laughs> Danielson's really getting to me. So why I watch him. Watch Brian Danielson turn on another gear, and MJF will too, because we've seen the in-ring maturation over the last year. It's 
phenomenal. And Maria, I we both have said this ad nauseum that MJF we think is gonna be the next AEW world champion. I think the next big feud after this for Pong or for MJF is with Hangman Page. The question is, will he take it off then? I'm not sure. But if tying into you, Kate, you mentioned Hangman and Punk. If Hangman, his next defense after Lance Archer is with CM Punk and Hangman wins that, he's got victories on, under his belt against Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. I mean, talk about a made star. Ding. Truly. Like, it's the organic support that he has accumulated this over this was, was so special. And with winter is coming... I think we automatically, because the debuts have been so insane, we went to who's debuting at Winter is Coming. I don't think anybody saw a Broadway match, not like that, not a one hour match to open the show that I don't, personally, I don't usually like one hour matches. I get bored, but I like a good like 20 minute sweet spot all day. That match kept my interest the entire time. It was so perfectly done with two incredible performers and the story was just unfolding in front of your eyes of this cocky jumping jack asshole daniel said who by the end was so the way he went in for covers was so desperate for the victory like watching that it didn't feel like an hour like i was on the edge of my seat that whole hour whereas a lot of times i'm like oh this is going an hour you know like kind of checked out so um that would just be yeah, for, for Hangman to have those victories, I think would be something really, really special. You both were there at Newark. So Marie, I'll start with you. Punk, or sorry, Danielson and Paige in that, that match in person. Was that the best match you've ever seen in person? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, embarrassment of riches. I was at Arthur Ashe and I, I still think Omega Danielson was probably the best match I've ever seen in person Um, because it just... I think there was such an awareness and a vibe that we were watching a literal dream match in front of our eyes. Like it was nuts. So, um, but I mean, Daniel said in hangman, the judges not coming into play, I thought was absolutely brilliant. I had in my head, I was like, Jonathan Gresham's going to be one of the judges and it's going to fuck with Danielson and whatever. Like I had all these ideas in my head because judges are such an ROH <laughs> thing. And then to just have that be a red herring, and just have this great match was such a great way to do it. Like we're all mar out marking ourselves of like, who are the judges? What are they going to do? Nothing. The answer was nothing. It was going to be a great match. It wasn't going to go an hour. It was just there to make you wonder. And then we got this, this match where Danielson um, gave Hangman every, every type of move he's ever beaten anybody in AEW with and Hangman kicked out of everything. And that's such a great story. Like <laughs> every type of victory that Daniel, that Brian Danielson has had in AEW, he used every move on Hangman and Hangman kicked out of it all. Like it's just, just such great professional wrestling. I think you'll be hard pressed to find a better television match this year. Yeah, that's going to be, we're in this January 24th and I still feel confident in that. And if somebody, if, if there is a better one, I think Brian Danielson would be the person to put it on. Like, I just, I, you, I'm the biggest punk mark like you. This Danielson run has been quite literally mm -hmm. something of legends. It's been absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. And I'll just touch quick punk. My next feud for him, uh, Cody Rhodes. Oh, love that. Cody's love already that. kind of sprinkled some, some fairy dust mm -hmm. on it in that last promo. And Sammy's going to defeat Cody, I believe, as well on Wednesday. So, Hey, let's see Punk and Cody. Love it. Love that idea. Goodness. One final question before socials. Cleveland, Ohio. Will we see Johnny Gargano on Wednesday night? 
Wow. I, I, Kate believes so. Uh, yeah, there's just been a little many too. His pro wrestling tea store being up for two months and then taken down, like little things like that. The fact that it's a beach special in Cleveland, like I think they're trying to give us something special that doesn't make any sense in Cleveland. Um, I think, you know, with with Kyle O'Reilly coming over and Cole being there, like I, I think the handwriting is on the wall for Gargano. Again, a new dad, like I think a once a week work schedule is something that he would very much like. And if that guy doesn't have future TNT champion written all over him, like I don't know who does. Like I, I think mm-hmm. he's going to add so much value to that company and I'm very excited about it. Rio, you want to manifest it as well? I was going to say I'll manifest that. Let's we'll see if we can call our shot here. So Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole are in a lights out match. I'd imagine that's going to be main eventing. I yes. think Johnny Gargano interjects himself there. I love it. I love it. If that's, um, first of all, I think in general, people are underrating that match because I think you're going to see something out of Orange Cassidy that nobody's seen yet. I, he's an incredible between the ropes wrestler. And uh, I think this is going to bring out a, a nasty side of him and I'm excited for that but I love the idea of Gargano just just inserting himself right there I think Cole versus Hangman is sitting right there for you so um you could absolutely do that and have this trip him up on the way to Hangman I'm fine with that <laughs> real quick on that too this match won't count because it's lights out oh so, that's right so Orange Cassidy I'm gonna pick him to win I don't I think that. this is going to count. Johnny's going to interject himself, and he has history with Chuck Taylor, I believe. Yeah, he's one of the best men in his wedding. Makes sense for him to align with all those guys. Johnny Gargano and best friends. I mean, with the stuff he was doing with The Way and NXT, like, my goodness, that's what a beautiful fit. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Taylor made. It's it's written. It's it's beautiful for, for him to jump in there. So we're going to manifest it. Johnny Gargano making his AEW Dynamite debut in Cleveland and I think we manifested Warlow turning on MJF as well I'm in on that for sure okay well <laughs> that was action packed and how we always close so shows are social media and things that are near and dear to you I'm starting with Kate because she was a phenomenal guest go oh, thank it. you so much um you can follow me at Kate on deck I see on Twitter um and Kate's Instagrams on Instagram if you want to see a bunch of pictures of my dog, which is pretty much all it is at this point, and clips <laughs> of me doing shows at Fightful uh, at Sour Graps after NXT. We're losing our minds over there. It's not a great show, but damn, do we have fun on Fightful YouTube right after NXT, the Mark Order podcast, where we talk all things all elite every Wednesday night. And then on Friday, SmackDown and the AW Rampage post show with Sean Ross Sapp, also at Fightful. So check me out there. She gets paid for it. Hey, that's all. <laughs> if you told me that five years ago, I'd be getting paid to do wrestling podcasts. I would have been like, well, that's a dream. That's not going to come true. But here we are. <laughs> Let's go. I absolutely love it. Maria. Love it. All right. On Instagram and Twitter, Maria underscore Rose, M-A-R-E-E-A underscore R-O-S-E. Wrestling you and you on Twitter is our Twitter page. DAJV show 24 on Twitter. Google, Apple, Spotify distributes us. Blue Wire Hustle is our platform. And dailyddt.com is where I write. A lot of big things coming down the pipeline. We're going to be going live on YouTube here very, very soon. This was episode 67. So we're shooting for episode 70. 
Maria to go oh, live on we? YouTube. Okay. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we, we have a few weeks to get those details ironed out, but we did say that 2022 was going to be our largest year. We want to thank you all so much for listening. And again, the downloads is it's been absolutely incredible and we really appreciate all your support and helping us out with this show and giving us content to roll on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other parting shots, ladies? No, just don't outmark yourselves and be nice to each other online. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> this is the rare time where we were barely negative on this show and it was delightful. I tried. I get very negative about WWE in real life, so I try to get the therapy out before I come onto these. <laughs> we appreciate it because sometimes we go in on WWE. It's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We held back, and it was awesome. It was, it was great. For Kate Hensler and Maria Rose, my name is Jesse Velasquez. That has been episode 67. That's it's Unplugged and Undeniable. We will see you on the flip side.